speaker is no, no, of course, stranger to us. Great, powerful woman of God, anointed of the Holy Spirit. She's going to come and give our message, our devotional prayer. Would you welcome Sister Rhonda Burden to the platform, please? Hallelujah. Rhonda, you're loved. How many love her? Amen. You're loved. Hallelujah. I could not agree more with what he said about prayer. Sometimes it's a struggle. It is a discipline. And we have to just press on and press through. And I just, I, I, you know, I feel so unworthy to be up here. I wasn't emotional two seconds ago. I feel so unworthy to be up here knowing, looking back at what the disciples endured in the lives that they lived and, and thinking about and reflecting on what our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are enduring. It's a very humbling place to be, to be able to give you a word. And I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm going to have you to go ahead and stand if you would. We're going to say our declaration tonight. <clears throat> Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. And before you are seated, yes, give the Lord praise for that. That's a powerful declaration. And I would encourage you to say that over yourself every day. Uh, before you're seated, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a congregational prayer exercise before you sit down. And you might feel weird doing it, but that's all right. I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. And I would like 100% participation. If your neighbor's not doing it, just give them a little nudge of the elbow and try to encourage them, okay? Um, it's not going to take you long, but there are just a few things that I want us to do, and I want to explain real quick. I want to talk to you about your forehead. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. The forehead signifies your mind. God's thoughts are higher than ours, therefore we put on the mind of Christ. Some of you ladies might have anointing oil in your purse, and if you do, I would encourage you to go ahead and grab it real quick. If you don't have anointing oil, that's okay. You can still anoint yourself. I want every person to touch your forehead. I want you to pray in agreement, 1 Corinthians 2.16 with me, and I want you to, to pray that scripture over your life. You can repeat after me if you want. Father, help me to know your thoughts tonight, that I might be in agreement with you. Hallelujah. The next thing I want to explain to you are the eyes. Psalms 32 and 8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Where your focus is, is where you will go. The Holy Spirit will guide you, but you must focus on him, and you must have a teachable heart. So I want you to touch your eyes, and I want you to pray this prayer. Father, help me to not be distracted by the temporal. Help me to discipline my thoughts 
to set my mind on you and give me a teachable heart. The third thing I want to explain to you is your mouth. Psalms 19 and 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your eyes. O Lord, my rock and the one who saves me. The mouth signifies words you speak and the seeds they sow. We have to choose seeds of life rather than death. So I want you to touch your mouth and pray in agreement that scripture with me. And I want you to say, Lord, as I meet with you tonight in prayer... Help me to release seeds of life and let my prayer be pleasing and effective. The last thing I'm going to explain to you about are your ears. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The ears signifies obedience. When your ears are open to hearing God's voice, then you can obey his will. So my prayer is going to be a little different than your prayer because I'm going to pray this over myself and I want you to pray it over yourself. I want you to touch your ears and agree with John 10 and 27. I'm going to ask the voice of the Lord to be louder in my ears than anything that I'm saying. And I want you to ask the Lord for his voice to be louder in your ears than anything that I say because I want you to hear the Lord and not me. So, Father, I'm in agreement with John 27 tonight, and God, I'm asking that you open my ears, Lord, and let the voice of the Lord be louder than any other voice that I might hear. Let my ears be closed to the accuser and to the voice of the enemy, and let me be led by the, the voice and the word of the Holy Spirit, that your name would be glorified and that your church would be edified in this house tonight. And we give you glory and honor and praise for it in Christ's precious name. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I don't really expect to keep you here long tonight, um, but I wanted to go through that little prayer exercise because this is not about me. This is not about whether we're here for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 10 minutes. This is about you being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is about us honoring the Lord and, and getting what he wants us to get out of this service tonight. So I want to talk to you uh, briefly about renewing your mind. Psalms, or excuse me, Proverbs 23, 7 tells us that as someone thinks in his heart, so is he. The connection between how we think and what we speak affects our life experiences. The book of Proverbs is full of wisdom concerning this connection and how it affects the body, the soul, and the spirit. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good or an encouraging word makes it glad. Another version says, But a good word cheers a person up. Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. The right words can bring healing to both the soul and the body. If the words that we speak are influenced by what we think, then we must renew our minds continually in order to think the way God thinks. Paul encourages us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Passion Translation says it this way. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. 
We renew our minds by thinking about the right things, guarding what our eyes and our ears take in, taking captive vain imaginations and rejecting negativity. Our minds are transformed when we allow God's word to wash over us on a regular basis, allowing us to detoxify from the influence of the world around us. When we begin to think as God thinks, we begin to say what God says. This transformation has the power to not only change our lives, but the lives of those around us. And when we learn to consistently guard our thoughts, that's a learning process, that's a discipline process. Life begins to flow from our lips. So Ephesians 4.29 encourages us with these words. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So again, our words have power to transform lives. If we're not careful to guard our thoughts and our words, then the devil will try, to talk, will try to talk us out of our destinies. He'll try to convince you that all your works of righteousness and the progress that you've made has been for nothing. And he'll try to convince you that God will not hear your prayers and that God will abandon you. And that is a lie from the enemy. The devil will try to wear you down and wear you out with accusations of failure, with intimidations and frustrations so that all your strength is exhausted. Rather than being a nation changer, you'll seek to just survive. And I'm not seeking to just survive. I'm seeking to thrive. He tries to get into the heads of God's reformers, beating them down by relentlessly filling the atmosphere with lies and accusations. We have to beware of what we hear and what we believe. The enemy is working overtime to beat down the bride of Christ. He's trying to wear down God's sons and daughters. And if we're not careful and if we get distracted and pay too much attention to what's going on around us, that can very easily happen. The word of the Lord tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We can find that in 2 Corinthians 10, 10 and 5. The enemy wants to besiege your mind. He wants to keep us preoccupied with trouble or worry or distracted by things that are going on around us and even things that are happening around the world. In scripture, we learn that Hezekiah set himself to seek the Lord and pray. We read that King Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified towns, giving orders for his army to break through their walls. And that's what the enemy is doing. The enemy is trying to siege the minds of the leaders of the body of Christ. Um, not just the leaders, but the church. But I'm telling you, there's an attack on the leaders in the body of Christ. That's what fortified means. It means strong. The walls and borders of Judah had been breached and invaded. We can apply that to the day we're living in now. It was in the midst of desperation that Hezekiah encouraged his people with these words found in 2 Chronicles 32, 7 and 8. The word says, you're very familiar with it. You can probably quote it. It says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. It goes on to say, Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. 
These are the same words that you and I should be holding on to as well. The church would do well to trust in this word and to apply this word to our own lives. Hezekiah went to the temple. He laid the threats and the accusations of the enemy before God, and he cried out to him. And this is what Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear. In other words, lean your ear into me. Bend your ear down and hear me. He says, incline your ear, O Lord, and hear Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. He's saying, God, look at what's happening. Look at what has been done to us through this king of Assyria. And he said, truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone." Oftentimes we come to the altar to pray, but it's actually an altar made out of questions and offenses because God has allowed hard things to happen. So when we come to the altar for prayer, oftentimes we bring a list of whys. We think we're coming to pray, but we're really coming to complain and accuse God. And that's a powerful statement. And when we think about it that way, it changes the way we approach the Lord in the altar or even at home in our prayer time, when we think we need to stop asking why and instead repent and put our trust in the Lord. God's after our hearts, and he stands ready to answer our cries, but we have to humble ourselves just as Hezekiah did. And then he saw God's mighty deliverance. Isaiah came. This is what happened as a result of Hezekiah's prayer. Isaiah the prophet came, and he told Hezekiah that the Lord had heard his prayers. He said God would defend the city, and he released a prophetic word to Hezekiah. It was a word that sounded impossible to Hezekiah. He gave a word of encouragement that God would fight for his people. And I just want to come tonight and give you a word of encouragement. My heart has been heavy and burdened for the body of Christ. My heart has been heavy and burdened for the church. But I want to encourage you tonight and let you know that God hears the prayers of the saints. And he will fight for us. That night, God did just what he said he would do. He sent an angel down who wiped out 185,000 Assyrians. God fought for Judah. It was dedicated prayer and a powerful word of the Lord that shifted the battle and brought heavenly intervention. Victory was manifested as God mobilized the angel armies to overthrow the enemy. If we will position ourselves as Hezekiah did and set ourselves to seek the face of the Lord, to hear the word of the Lord for ourselves over our own lives and to put our trust in him to fight for us, we too will see every voice of the accuser struck down. We will see every mind-boggling spirit broken. Every besiegement will be destroyed, and everything that the enemy has stolen will be returned in abundance. 
Hezekiah's name means Jehovah is my strength. In this time of contending for the kingdom of God to be advanced in the earth, God will restore our strength physically, emotionally, and spiritually so that we can run the race that we're called to, to run. I want to share a story with you. Um, it's just a quick story that I think is going to be encouraging to you. I heard of a minister that shared in one of her messages the concept of the super bloom. I had never heard of the super bloom before, uh, but she said that Flanders Field in Belgium is famous for all the poppy flowers that sprang up after the agitating of the soil with boots and bloodshed during the trench warfare of World War I. She taught that it takes harsh conditions such as drought, fire, and flood to agitate the seed and wake it up for super bloom. Super blooms occur in desert regions. They occur in dry, barren terrains. The seeds blow in on the wind and land on ground that is so parched that the seeds actually settle down into the cracks and the crevices. They go deep into the harsh surface of the ground and they lie dormant for a long time, sometimes as long as 10 to 15 years. Then some sort of agitation or a crisis or a calamity shakes or stirs the ground and awakens the seeds, and then you have what's called a super bloom. The word agitate means to shake, or it could mean to move up and down or to and fro, and maybe even with some violence. One example of documented super bloom took place in a California desert not long ago. Super blooms in the California desert normally occur once every 10 to 15 years. However, in recent years, a super bloom had occurred at least three consecutive years and was happening at an accelerated rate. In February 2020, the Dead Sea area of Israel experienced its first super bloom in history. One headline in the Israeli media read, Dead Sea Blooms Floral Wonderland for First Time. Another headline read, Rains Bring Stunning Displays to Parched Dead Sea Area. The Dead Sea is full of salt and the land is some of the harshest on the earth, yet that area burst into beautiful fields of flowers. This is what the Lord can do in our lives. This is what the Lord can do in our nation. He can bring rain on our dry ground and cause our desert places to bloom like the rose. And I believe that the rain of the Holy Spirit is going to rain down on us soon and very soon. And we're going to experience a super bloom like we cannot even imagine. Last year, during the shutdown, I heard reports of some of our business owners in this area and even business owners in our church reporting that in the midst of the pandemic last year, in the midst of a shutdown, that their business didn't just survive or get by, but their businesses thrived. And that is a God thing. God was giving strategies to business owners, and God's favor was being manifested even in a barren time, even in a barren season. And right now we're going through a season of agitating. 
Right now, we're going through a season of shaking, but it's nothing to be afraid of because there are seeds that are being blown in right now that are just settling down in the crevices of the harsh ground, and they're going to take root, and they're going to bear fruit. Um, you may be in one of the... You may even be experiencing a violent agitation. You may be experiencing a violent wind or a violent shaking going on right now. Uh, but don't be discouraged. Let it encourage you because we're going somewhere with this. You may be in one of the driest seasons of your life. You may be in one of the most difficult times of your life and you don't understand it because we've been praying for so long. Um, you may be treading on harsh ground. You may be in a drought. You may be going through the fire. But God's getting ready to send the rain of his presence in abundance to awaken up the seeds of destiny, to awaken seeds of prosperity, and to awaken seeds of purpose that might be lying dormant in you right now. When I read about the super bloom, I was quickened about the harvest because I believe that we're about to experience a super bloom in the harvest fields. And I also believe that that's why we're being fought so hard. But you know, when sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. Um, so I, I knew this wasn't going to take very long to present to you. And that's okay because we're here to pray. Um, but I want you to go ahead and make your way to a place to pray. But as you do, I'm going to... I'm going to um, make a declaration over you and over this body. So I'm going to make a declaration over you and over this particular body, this church, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to say a prayer over you, and then I too am going to come down and find a private place to pray. So go ahead and make your way. And this is what I'm going to declare over this body. I declare that your place of trial is becoming your place of triumph. I decree and declare that your place of barrenness is becoming your place of blessing. Your wilderness is becoming your place of victory. Your opposition is becoming your place of opportunity. Every place of delay and dormancy is becoming a place of super abundant super bloom. I'm believing for crazy increase for you and for your harvest. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Father, we honor you in this place tonight. We exalt the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you for your encouraging word. I thank you that, Lord, whatever our eyes don't see, God, we can trust, Lord, that you go before us and you, Father.